Welcome to The Table. I'm your host, Jeff Harpole. Today we're looking at some very critical moments in the scripture and as it pertains to the internal working of humanity, specifically the function of our churches and what the Lord wants us to do and accomplish. If you're if you have your scripture or your Bible, I'll point out a couple of things here. Um, this comes from Second um, Samuel chapter 5. Now, just in review, David will be anointed several times. In fact, he'll be anointed three times. The first time he's anointed is in the house of his father. He comes from the field. They're waiting for him. Uh, Jesse, his own father, uh, overlooked David, and Eliab, the oldest, seems to be the guy. He he seems to be uh, the one that um, that everyone thought would be the next king. But God said no, and so all of the sons were rejected until finally Samuel turned to Jesse and said, are these all the sons you have? And of course Jesse said, well, I've got one more, but He's a shepherd. And then it's an interesting statement that the prophet Samuel made there. He said, we will not sit down till he come. And I think it's telling and prophetic because if David is the king, they should not be sitting when he, when he shows up. Of course, David runs onto the scene and he looks like a shepherd. He smells like the field. And sure enough, God it. God instructs Samuel, and Samuel anoints him with the oil. The second time that David is anointed is in Hebron, and he's there for uh, multiple years. David, in fact, serves in Hebron uh, for seven years and six months. He's in Hebron as the king. And then finally he makes his way to uh, Jerusalem, and there the whole congregation and the elders anoint him. David's going to serve faithfully all those years. Now, David wants to get to Jerusalem. He wants that city. That's the key and pivotal city. It's a high place. It's in the mountain range of Moriah. It's, um, it's in this area where, where everyone wants to be. And there's a problem with it, though. The Jebusites have, have uh, occupied that, that city. And David knows that if he's going to be the king of that area, he must conquer this city and and he will it's going to be called the city of david in time but the jebusites are very crafty and whether they fear david or not i i don't know but they taunted david in and and they said uh, you're never going to get inside the city and they put the blind and the lame um in the way of David, They put the blind and the lame in the way. And the Jebusites thought they were safe, but David captured that fortress, the blind and the lame. And the Bible says in, in um, let, me, let me get the right verse for you. It's 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 8. David said, I despise them or I hate those blind and lame Jebusites. So we've heard through the years multiple different schools of thought as to what the blind and the lame 
that were were preventing David, what they meant, or what was the um, analogy of the blind and the lame? Well, I think we've got a, a clear understanding today of what keeps us from conquering new territory. It's the blind and the lame. So the blind are the people that don't have vision and won't see, and the lame are people who are inactive or complacent, the apathetic spirit, and won't work. So the blind and the lame, or, or the people who have no vision, they're stuck, they, they don't see the future, um, they don't see the field, um, they're not concerned about the loss, they don't see them. They don't see any progress. Uh, combine them with people who are really, in fact, lazy. They don't want to do anything. They want to be served. They're always the guest and not the host. They're, they're, they come to church to receive, not to give. They want to know what's in it for them. Those are the people. That's a spirit and an attitude. It's a human spirit. It's a human attitude that uh, damages um, growth and, and victory. We're, we need to conquer cities. We need to win the lost. There's no reason why our churches aren't growing um, by 25 or 30 percent every year. We should, at some juncture, look back and say, we've effectively doubled the congregation. What's happening to us? Well, we can't see it. We're not seeing the things of God. And a lack of vision doesn't always mean, um, it's not always foretelling in that vision. It's just having a vision for the future seeing what God can do, believing that the Lord can do things and seeing it even before it happens. Um, the Bible says of Abraham that he served a God which calleth those things which be not as though they were. So we've got to have people with vision, a whole congregation. Yes, we see it. We're going to reach the city. But we also have to have activated people, active people doing things and not just waiting for something to come. Uh, I, I'll submit this to you. If you're waiting for someone to tell you to teach a Bible study, you're waiting too long. That is your, uh, that's your God-given commission. You don't have to wait to teach a Bible study or to witness or to bring your neighbor to your house for, for lunch and talk about the Lord or bring them to church. This cannot, we cannot wait for legislation from, uh, from some, somebody who has uh, authority for us to activate. We've got to start praying and reaching the lost, and everyone can do that. I promise you, um, if if you're if you're a member of a church and you start bringing people to, to the house of God and you're you're teaching Bible studies, your leadership will. That is the greatest thing you could ever do. I, I like gift cards. I love gift cards. I, I want a I want a cool gift card, but I'd rather have a new person walk in the church. Uh, you can keep all the gift cards, but let's baptize somebody Sunday. Um, I've said for a long time, I want a motorcycle. I used to have a motorcycle. That was before I was married. And then when I got married and had kids, <clears throat> I kept saying I wanted a motorcycle. And my wife said, you know, you're going to get a motorcycle and you're going to die on a motorcycle. And when you die, someone's going to be raising your kids. So I never got a motorcycle. But my kids are almost raised now. So, you know, they're almost all gone. So I'm going to get one when they leave. <laughs> Look, I, I want all that stuff. That doesn't matter. What I really want is the church to be activated and moving. What hinders the church? People with no vision and inactive members. Think of this in Mark chapter 10. This is an incredible thing that happened. So the disciples are all sitting around, they're talking, and you know, they they really they're starting to get this that this Jesus of Nazareth, he's really something. 
man, look at this, Jesus. In fact, it appears that they have an idea that he will be a king someday. No, I don't think they know what kind of king he's going to be. But they're getting, they're getting this idea. Jesus is going to be a king. He's going to set up a kingdom. And so we know this, of course, because James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they call them the sons of thunder. They said, Master, we want something from you. We want something. And look at Mark chapter 10, verse 36. Jesus said, what would ye that I should do for you? I think that's very critical and you should underline for you. What do you want me to do for you? And they said, grant us that we may sit on your right and your left hand in thy glory. We, we, want, we want position. And of course, the Lord said, you don't even know what you're asking. You, you can't, can you even drink of this cup that I'm a drink of and be baptized? And then, of course, they said, oh, yes, we can. Of course, they have no idea. They're so immature and naive about what's about to happen. And then, of course, the Lord gives this very grave answer. And he said, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. Oh, my. So they don't know. They don't, they don't know what's coming. But then verse 40 says, but to sit on my right hand, left hand, that's, that's not mine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a position. In the same chapter, here's the same chapter of Mark chapter 10. Jesus went to Jericho. He's ministering Jericho. He leaves Jericho with a great host of people, his disciples, who knows, dignitaries. Everyone's kind of ushering him out of the city of Jericho. He's walking out. There's a lot of clamoring and noise. And somewhere off in the distance by the corner sits a guy named Bartimaeus. And he, he cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Of course, the people around him, they're making a lot of noise. You know, we're, we're dignitaries. We're walking the Lord with the Lord. But he cries out the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Lord calls for him to come. Of course, at that juncture, you know, everybody's on Bartimaeus' side and said, they turn and say, hey, he's calling you. So, you know, first they didn't want him to say anything because he's embarrassing them. And now everyone is his friend. And so they call the Lord. He stands still. He puts his garment away, throws his garment away, this blind man. They bring him to Jesus. Here is verse 51 of Mark 10. Jesus said, what wilt thou that I should do unto you? So the first time to James and John, he said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, we want position. The second time in that same chapter, he says to the, to the blind man, what do you want me to do to you? There's a difference between the Lord doing something for us and the Lord doing something to us. And we almost entirely want the Lord to do something for us, provide for us. But the to us or, the, or in us means a change. And the Lord said, what do you want me to do to you? And he said, I need my sight. I want to see. So this is the polar opposite. One group wants position and the other group wants vision. One wants esteem and the other one uh, wants something internal, a healing, internal healing. One, one man wants to be lifted up. He wants to, he wants to enjoy the glory. And the other one, he, he wants to see things he's never seen before. He just wants to see it. And so I submit here at the table this, uh, 
this aspect of the church that, that there's myriad of things that that are that are hindering us but some of the great things that that we need to change is that we've got to have vision the lord wants to do something to us to give us a sight to reach people to say, to see people that are sinners and see them as saved to see them as sheep without a shepherd to see our city and have compassion on them. The Lord looked on the on the people, and the Lord saw them and had compassion on them. That that sight, that's vision. Vision is not always saying I got a vision to build something, or I have a vision. Vision is sometimes just seeing the way that God would see people, and then comes the work and the doing. Because if we become apathetic, if we become lazy and inactive then no work gets done. I, I, I will tell you, one of the great problems that we have in the modern age is, is the fact that we have professionalized ministries and we've specialized ministries. And we've had people that say, well, well, this is what I do and, and I get paid for it. Or this is what I'm equipped for. The early church, everybody did everything. They, they all thought they were soul winners. The whole church operated together. They all were in the streets and praying and at prayer meetings, laying hands on people. But now we've refined that. And so I keep going back to this over and over again. But I do believe that if we all become active, to activate the whole church, doesn't matter age, doesn't matter what the age is, we must be active doing the things in the kingdom. And we need to pray that God would give us fresh vision and not confine that vision to a supernatural sight, but just to see what the Lord wants us to see. He wants to do something to you. Now, I know he can do things for you. I know, and that's usually our prayer. Lord, I need this. You know, Lord, I, I need to have this done. Uh, I need to have a new job. Lord, would you do something for us? Okay. The Lord can do that, and he has on many occasions, all the time. But I really believe the Lord wants to do something to us, in us. I'll, I'll, I'll repeat this maybe at some juncture in the future. But Four men tore off a roof. They, le- they let their friend down. And the Bible says, when the Lord saw their faith, not, not the lame man's faith, their faith. Four friends had faith. The Lord never commented on the faith of the lame man. He said when he saw their faith, the men that let the man down, tearing off the roof, men, they let him down, and the Lord said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He was doing something to the man. It was internal. It was a soul salvation. But of course, everybody said, well, who can forgive sins but God? And then Jesus said, just so you know, I have power on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to heal this man. And then the second thing he did was, he said, take up thy bed and walk. The Lord didn't come to heal that man. He came to forgive him of his sins. And so if you're, if you're putting that into context, yes, the Lord can do something for him. Yes, he can heal him of the disease of the affliction. But the first priority of Jesus was to do something to him. It was an internal change of his whole life. It was a change of his life. And that's what the Lord wants to do for us. And that's what we need in our churches and every age group. We need activation and we need to see what the Lord sees. I'm so glad you came to the table today. 
I hope the Lord will help you with working for the kingdom and with seeing what the Lord sees so that we can grow and we can mature in Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming to the table. There's so much more to come.